Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and verse 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the church. I thank you for this church. And as we've come together as your body, your people, I pray that you'd speak a word to us, a word of hope, a word of unity in Christ. And as we reflect on your word through Paul's letter and the words that you've given me, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us together as your people. Draw us closer to you by your spirit at work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. So there's a guy by the name of Fred Craddock, and uh, his mom, when he was a little boy, would take him to church. I believe it was Tennessee. And uh, he grew up going to church with his mom and eventually found a call to ministry. And he became uh, a very, actually he's one of the most well-known uh, preachers uh, around, um, very very great gifted preacher, and it was because of the influence that the church had on him and his mom taking him to church every day. And you know, his dad was not that way. While he and his mom, while Fred and his mom were at church, his dad would stay home. He would complain that Sunday dinner was late because they were at church. The dad would call and uh, call on Fred's, uh, I'm sorry, the pastor would call Fred's dad. And every time Fred's dad would say the same thing. He's like, well, here's the pastor calling me again. He doesn't care about me. Church doesn't care about me. They just want another name and another pledge. That's how his dad saw the church. Well, many years later, fast forward, and uh, Fred's dad is actually dying in a hospital room. And he's so sick, as he's older, uh, he's so sick that his throat has actually been removed. He can't eat. He can't speak. And so Fred goes to visit his dad, who was so disenfranchised with the church. But he notices something as he walks through the room. That place is lit up with flowers and plants all over. He says he, he looks by his dad's bedside and there's a stack of letters about this tall. All, all of this. From people of the church, the church that he grew up in, his mom still attending, because the church cared so deeply. And you know, it was in that moment, um, again, he couldn't eat, couldn't speak. Fred's dad looked over and Fred was reading a card uh, one of the members of the church had, had sent to his dad. And, and Fred's dad took a Kleenex box and he got a pen and he wrote these words from Shakespeare to his son, in this harsh world. Draw your breath in pain to tell my story. In other words, he was saying, do everything that you can 
to tell my story to the world, to share it. And so Fred asked, he said, well, Daddy, what's your story? And he looked around, seeing all these flowers, all these things. I mean, the church had been there uh, with his dad through the illness, had cut the grass, had done everything that they could. And so he wrote, I was wrong about the church. You know, I believe that the body of Christ, when it functions the way that it should, when it's the people of Christ following Jesus together, it is one of the most powerful forms of sharing our faith that we could possibly have. Now, as we find ourselves in the series Go Fish, I mean, we've been talking about the importance of getting out there and sharing our faith, right? I mean, we really do need to be challenged outside of our comfort zone to talk to our neighbors, to find those people who are hurting, who are in need, and we need to be able to know our stuff, right? We need to be bold in the way that we share our faith, to have that information, to, to have that knowledge, to have that connection with our Father in Heaven, and to be able to share that boldly with others. But can I tell you, it can't be all on us alone. We have to partner with the church because here's the thing. When we go and we share our faith, can I tell you that one of the greatest things that we can do isn't by answering somebody's deepest theological questions, which they'll have and we should be able to answer at some point. We should be able to do that. But can I tell you what's going to make one of the biggest impacts on their lives or at least get them ready to receive that information, to hear more about Jesus? It's when they're exposed to a functioning body of Christ and they see the people of Jesus Christ acting like the people of Jesus Christ. And it's essential. It is absolutely fundamental that we get that part right. Because here's the thing. Somebody may say, yeah, I believe Jesus. I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow Jesus with all that I have. And then comes and sees the people who claim Jesus as their Savior to be God's people not acting anything like Scripture calls us to acting just like the world outside the walls of the church. All they see then is recognizing that maybe Jesus isn't worth following after all. You know, one of the leading causes of atheism is when people confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. Friends, we have to get this part right. We have to be the church, and we have to treat each other, especially other Christians. We have to treat each other as the body of Christ well. But here's the thing. When we as the church get it right, man, when we start acting the way that Jesus calls us to, man, we are a healthy, functioning body of Christ. It is a game changer. Would you agree? I mean, I look around this room and I've I've interacted with many of you and I know that you're here because of the impact the church has had in your life, in your family's life, in in our community. And this is why Jesus said when he was with his disciples in John chapter 13, verse 35, Uh, He was about to give himself up. He was about to die. And he was giving them all this instruction. He knew he was about to leave them. And and he was impressing upon them instruction. And he said, I give you a new command. Love me and love each other as I have loved you. And this is what he says. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Will you read that part with me? Everyone will know that you are my disciples If you love one another. Now, can I tell you, people are going to be so much more open to hearing about heaven when they're exposed to a functioning body of Christ because they'll see it. You know, we have to be able to do our part. We have to know our faith well. Our faith has to be important to us. Can I just say if if our faith 
is truly important to us, we should know more about our faith than we do our favorite TV show. We should know more about our faith than our political viewpoint. We should know more about our faith than our financial plan. We have to do our part, but it's not all on us. Friends, we have to partner together as the church under Christ as the head. We have to do that. Because can I tell you that when we invite others to experience the body of Christ in a mighty way, just as we all have experienced that, do you know what happens? So maybe you've experienced this and you've started to talk to other people about faith and it brings them to a certain point or maybe they're still guarded but they're willing to try out church. Here's what happens when people walk through the door and I'm thinking you maybe can relate to this. They walk through the door and they're guarded, right? They're skeptical. They've got their own view of who Jesus is or especially God's people. But when they see the body of Christ function the way that we should, those walls... That skepticism, that cynicism, that guardedness, that hard heart that we carry around as our society that we've just been beat up, man, it all starts to fall down when we experience the authentic, real love of Jesus Christ. When people come together and they're the church, it makes a difference. Because when they experience that, everybody will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. But it's not always easy to be the church. Would you agree? Friends, it's not always easy to be the church. Can I get an amen? Right? We all come together and uh, we've all got pretty unique personalities, right? We're all different backgrounds and we can come together and it can be difficult to be the church. It's hard enough to be a family sometimes. It can be even harder to come together and to be the church. But friends, it is essential that we be the church. And so as we talk about this today, I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your phone uh, and your Bible app on there, or you want to grab a Bible from the pew back, I want to invite us as we read together or look at what Paul says from his letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We'll also be looking at verse 16. And can I tell you, the reason we're looking at this scripture, this particular passage, I think Paul helps us to identify what a functioning body of Christ looks like. The attitudes, the behaviors, the what we need to focus on and how we support and hold each other up, I think it's all right here. I think this is helpful to us. And as I glean from this passage uh, what Paul is trying to say to us today, I think that there are two essential traits that kind of come out of everything that Paul is saying in this passage. Two essential traits that will help us to identify, no matter what church we're at, a functioning body of Christ versus a non-functioning or an unhealthy body of Christ. So when when God's people are acting the way they should and the body's functioning the way it should, God's people are connected and they're invested. They're connected and they're invested. When the people of Christ are acting like the body of Christ, when they come together, God's people are connected, they're connected to each other, They're connected with their faith. They're connected with God. And they are invested in the body of Christ. And we know this to be true, right? Look at this imagery of a body. So if my hand one day was not connected to my body, my hand would not last very long, right? And my body would suffer as a result of it. There was a man who got uh, decided for whatever reason, he got fed up and upset with his church, and he left the church one day, whatever church he was attending. Decided not to go to another church. He decided that he would be spiritual, but not religious. 
And so the pastor called on him one night. It was a cold night. It was in the middle of winter. And he dropped by his house. And uh, the man invited him in. They didn't say a word. But the man had a fire roaring in his uh, living room. And so the pastor went by. And without saying a word, the pastor leaned into the fireplace and very carefully pulled out an ember. And he pulled it off to the side and placed it away from the fire. And both men sat there and watched that ember slowly go cold. And die out. And they waited for a few minutes. And then the pastor took that cold dead ember. Picked it up. And he put it back with the other embers. That were burning bright. And all of a sudden it lit up like Christmas. The pastor didn't say a word. He started to leave. And the man grabbed him and said. Pastor. I'll see you Sunday. <laughs> Friends it's the body of Christ. We have to be connected. But we also have to be invested. We all have a part to play. Can I tell you, if I wake up one day and my foot decides that it's not invested in the rest of the body, which, hey, it can happen to all of us. But if, if that decision is made by the foot and it says, I'm not going to act the way that I'm not going to act with the rest of the body, the body will suffer if all the parts aren't invested. We need to be invested. We must be connected. And so we have to function as the body of Christ And so I think Paul, in verse 1 of Ephesians 4, he says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Friends, can I tell you, I know that I'm a pastor, but I struggle sometimes to live a life worthy of the calling that I've received from Jesus Christ. And I think we all struggle with that. I mean, that's part of the struggle that we experience in this life. And and when the world surrounds us and we find ourselves in those places, and Paul is saying, I urge you to live a life worthy of that calling that you've received. Can I tell you the reason it can be hard for us is we don't have that connection with Christ's body. And so we find that when we come together as the body of Christ, this amazing thing happens. Christ works in us, helps us, strengthens us, helps us to live that that life worthy of that calling that Jesus has given us through the church. And so the church does a couple things for us, I think, and, and really more than just a couple, but I'll just name a few today. The church encourages us in our faith journey. So we may be, uh, you know, trying to strengthen our own faith, trying to go out and share our faith, do whatever we might do, and we've got cheerleaders surrounding us. If you've ever been in a small group or you've got people in this church or you've got people surrounding you who are of faith and you're a body of Christ, you know that you're encouraged to do the work of God, to, to follow God in your faith. We're encouraged. You know, another cool thing that happens with the body of Christ is the Holy Spirit uses all of us to speak in like this really cool way. Do you know the reason I'm a pastor I uh, and the reason I follow God's call to this place is I was 14 years old. I had a call to ministry and I said, God, no way. <laughs> but I stuck around the body of Christ. And, you know, that pesky Holy Spirit speaks through other people. And these people kept coming to me and they say, hey, I've just been praying about you, Mark, and I want to let you know, I think God's calling you to be a pastor and you need to listen. It's like, not another one, right? And you know, we all have a calling. We're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be missionaries. We're not all, all called to do some great big grand thing. But can I tell you that we all have a calling on our lives and we need the Holy Spirit to speak to the people around us, the other members of the body of Christ, to help us identify that calling to be encouraged by it. And you know, we're also challenged as the body of Christ. I work with all the small group leaders and, uh, and all the small groups. And one of the things that I've, 
uh, spoken to all of our small group leaders recently is, you know, at Ebenezer, our mission statement, we're a place where Jesus Christ changes lives. Because why else would the church exist other than to be a place where we have environments and experiences that when people come together, man, they're ready to receive that life change in Jesus Christ. But can I tell you, life change can be hard. Because a lot of us, we just show up and we hope for the best. But unless we're challenged, it's hard to set those goals. It's hard to to identify that life change. Because with challenge, we can identify change. With challenge, we can identify change. And so I've encouraged all of our small group leaders, man, go back to your small group and challenge them to something. Challenge them to read the Bible, uh, you know, read a book together. Challenge them on their own to, to have a 30-day prayer challenge. Challenge them to something. And then when they come back, hold them accountable. Ask them how they're doing in love. And then celebrate those moments of change as a result of that challenge. Challenge helps us to see the change. But then finally, I think the church helps keeps us grounded. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I can get a little entitled sometimes, right? Think that it's my world and everybody just happens to be living in it. You ever get that way? Of course not. Just me. But you know, when we're together with um, other sinners, people who are broken, people who are in dire need of Jesus Christ, this really cool thing happens. We start to realize, man, it's not about us. It's about God working with us and through us. It helps to keep us grounded. Because one of the coolest pictures is we are all broken people in need of grace. But when we come together as God's body, God takes all these broken pieces and puts them together under Christ to do amazing things in this world. Friends, that's the church. You know, there's a, the former bass player of The Who, a, a British rock band that my dad liked. I don't know. Sorry for all of you that I just offended. I'm <laughs> uh, just kidding. The Who's great. I really do like the music. Uh, well, there was a bass player, and one day he decided that uh, in his hotel room, he w- he took all these, I don't know how he got a hold of them, but he had five different bass guitars that had been smashed to pieces, right? And so he decided, you know, once you've smashed a guitar, which these old rock bands, I don't know why they would do that, ruin perfectly good guitars, but once those broken pieces are together, they can't play any music. Can't do anything. And so one day he created this guitar called the Frankenstein with a Phillips head screwdriver and a soldering iron. Took this guy two hours to make it. He must be a genius. That's impossible uh, in my mind to be able to do. But what he did is he took these five broken pieces. I think one was a jazz bass guitar, another a rock bass guitar, whatever that difference is, and put them all together. This thing didn't just look good. He took it on tour. He played it for a number of years. And when he died... Uh, it went to auction, um, this guitar, it went to auction in London. It's supposed to go for $10,000. It sold for $100,000. You know why? People love redemption stories, don't they? People love to see when broken pieces come together and do amazing things. And when they're exposed to that and they hear the beautiful music that comes from it, it's amazing. Friends, that's the church. God puts together these broken pieces. And we come together and we do amazing things in this world because of Jesus Christ at work, the Holy Spirit at work in our midst. And it's because of the grace of God. And so it's out of that grace, if you continue in your scripture with me, we'll look at verses 2 and 3. It's out of that grace that Paul says, 
that we need to have these behaviors, we need to have these attitudes that we live into when we approach each other, so that when we're the body of Christ, we treat each other a certain way. And, and this is what he says, follow along with me. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And then he goes on to say, make every effort to keep unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. But, you know, the funny thing about those first two, humility and gentleness. And he doesn't say just be humble. He says be completely humble. You know, the funny thing about those two things, have you ever experienced in our culture, in our world, it can be a little divisive out there. I feel like people can be a little touchy these days. You ever experienced that? Where if you, if you say your own viewpoint, it's like all of a sudden you're just waiting for somebody to get offended. Or maybe we're that way. Maybe we get offended easily and we find ourselves that anytime somebody sees something uh, different than we do, it's almost like it's getting harder and harder to, to see them as a person. We just see them as, as uh, an enemy. And you know what's funny about that is we become so harsh in the way that we respond. And so I've noticed that we've just kind of stopped talking about tough stuff. We just keep everything shallow. Paul says, no, you need to go deep. And the reason, the way that you can go deep is you got to stay humble and you got to go gentle. Have you ever experienced somebody who is completely humble and gentle? And all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how, uh, how much your viewpoint is like their viewpoint, how different you are from them, they will receive you, man. They will draw you in because of their humility, because of their gentleness. And they're not harsh in their response. And they may see it differently. They may challenge you later, but it'll be a different type of conversation because of their humility and their gentleness. We need to be humble and we need to be gentle in the way that we interact with each other. And he says you need to be patient. Can I tell you, I know that time is money. I'm a a father of a two-year-old and my wife, and and time is absolute money. I mean, it's, it's become one of the most precious commodities that we have. But there is no greater investment, no greater connection we can make than to be patient and to bear with each other as the body of Christ. To walk with each other through life, to, to be with somebody as they're going through an illness, to be with them at the hospital, to be on the phone as they're going through a very difficult situation in their own life. When we bear with each other, man, we build each other up in, in just a really cool and amazing way. And so we need to be patient. We need to bear with each other. And I think... And love. And I think First uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 8 really sums this up for me. This is what he says. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Would you read that with me? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, the attitude that we approach each other with can make all the difference because our attitude can help to either strengthen the body of Christ or it can work to tear it down. But can I tell you, our attitude is just part of it. Nothing does more for our connection as the body of Christ than to remember why we're connected. And so this is what Paul says in verses 4 through 6, if you'll follow along with me. Paul says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Friends, we are one. And Paul repeats this in seven different ways. And do you know why he does that? Because number seven, scripturally, is a number for perfection. And Paul is saying, hey, if there's one thing to get right, it's to remember our unity as one, as the body of Christ, 
There is nothing, no more perfect a connection than the body of Christ. And so he reminds us that we are one. In Jesus, we have one hope. And this is how he concludes. This is how he ends with that piece. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And do you know what that means? That means that God's in charge. God is over it all. You know, I know that uh, I, I want to take a just a time out for a second. I know at Ebenezer Church, any change that we can experience can be difficult. But can I tell you, when the body is healthy, when we function the way we should, it doesn't matter what changes come our way because we remember not only that we're unified in God, but that God's over it all. That Christ is head of the church. And so we see that and we remember that, that we need to be connected. You know, I think one of the things that can happen to us as the body of Christ is that we need to remember that we're connected, that we're together, that we need to stick together, but uh, we need to guard against seeing each other as as anything different from the body of Christ when we come together. Because here's what can happen. A physician warns against this. It's called spiritual autoimmune disease. And if you've ever familiar with that sort of disease physically, then you know that it's when the body begins to see other parts of the body as a foreign invader and begins to attack it. Type 1 diabetes is one form of autoimmune disease. It kind of runs in my family a little bit. It's on my uh, mom's side. And I'll tell you that it, even though it starts in a small area, if it if you avoid it, if you don't pay attention to it, if, you, if it's left unchecked, it can spread to the rest of the body and wreak havoc. And so, friends, we have to guard against decay. We have to be connected. But, you know, it's not enough to just be connected. We have to be invested. And so this is what... Paul says in verses 7 and 16, he goes on to say that to each one of us, grace has been given as as Christ apportioned it. And then he finishes by saying, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We have to be all in. We have to be invested. We can't just show up and hope to be connected. We have to be invested in the body of Christ. And we have to see that what we do, the part we play, the way that we're a part of the body makes a difference. So the, uh, the X-Wing, the, in 2003, the Lego X-Wing right here became the largest scaled model of a, a Lego design or creation. Now, I, I can tell you this thing is 44 feet wide. Now, you can see in the picture, those are actual people. And so that's... Like, that's a giant Lego, which is both exciting and, and also like, why in the heck would people spend time on this? But <laughs> seriously. But then I could, I could understand. It would be a lot of fun. So it's 44 feet wide. This thing weighs over, I think, uh, 46,000 pounds, close to 46,000 pounds. It took over 5 million Lego uh, bricks to build this thing. 5 million Lego bricks. So now, if you're missing them, you know where they are. Took 32 master builders over 17,000 hours to build this. Now, if you're a master Lego builder, you probably think you're pretty cool. But when you come together with 31 other master Lego builders and you've got a job to play, you've got a part to play, you've got to be completely invested and you have to realize you can't do this thing on your own. You need everybody else doing their part. You need to, you need to do your part well. And, and communicate and connect and do all that, but you need to be invested in your part because if your part isn't done right, it could mess the whole thing up. Now, can I tell you, God's grace covers a whole lot. And we need to remember that. 
I, I don't want to be too heavy-handed on this, but I do want to remind us that we need to be invested. We have to, we have, we each have a part to play that's equally important. And at Ebenezer, we get this. Our core values are authenticity, relevance, and excellence, which I say that to say this, that no matter where you're serving, no matter where you're connected, no matter where you're invested as a part of this body, we believe that we need to be authentic, relevant, and excellent in what we do. Whether it's uh, a greeter, children's ministry, uh, worship band, no matter where you're serving, no matter where you're part, out in the community, authentic, relevant, and excellent. And can I tell you, you remember uh, Wade and Summer Reeves just a couple weeks ago, they shared their story and um, of how they were invited, how they were connected to this church. And it took them a couple times when they were invited to actually decide to come. But the interesting part about their story is they left worship that day and it's their guard was still up a little bit. They weren't necessarily quite sure. But do you know where the life change happened for them? It happened in our parking lot. Their four-year-old son had been uh, in our Sunday school program and he was asked, hey, what'd you learn today? And he began to tell him about Jesus Christ. And they said, man, we, we need to get connected. We need to get invested. And, and they haven't looked back. And it's been amazing to see them a part of this church. But can I tell you what's cool about that is our nursery workers, our children's ministry volunteers, our youth vol- uh, ministry volunteers, they all have a passion for Jesus Christ. That's why they do what they do. And they share that in the ministry area that they're a part of and they're invested. They're all in because their part no matter where we serve, makes a difference. And when people are exposed to the functioning body of Christ, whether it's in worship or children's ministry or youth or wherever, it makes a difference. It can change lives. And friends, we need to be connected. We need to be invested. And so I know this, that sharing our faith and putting ourselves out there can be difficult, but we can't do it on our own. And so I want to challenge you, if you aren't connected we have Connection Point. They can help you to identify next steps. We have our Start Here class that will uh, in May. Uh, that'll be an opportunity for you to get better connected. But I'd invite you, if you're not connected, if if you don't have a connection with the body of Christ, to get connected. And uh, if you're not invested, I want to challenge you. If worship, if you just spend an hour a week in worship and that's all that you do, I think that that's a great priority that you've made. But I want to encourage you to take another step. Maybe you've just stuck your toe in the water. I want to encourage you to take another step. Give another hour to God a week. Maybe you start off by an hour a month, but give another hour of God where you're invested in the work, that God's work in the body of Christ, whether it's a small group or whether you're serving in one of the ministry areas, or maybe you go check out our mission expo and you find ways that you can partner with uh, our partners through the work that Ebenezer is doing. But I want to challenge you to do that because friends, we have to be invested are connected and we have to be invested. And here's the thing, when we're all connected, when we're all invested and we remember that we're all one in Jesus Christ and we invite somebody to experience a healthy functioning body of Christ, Jesus Christ changes lives because the walls come down and they're ready to experience. Take that next step. So I just want to encourage us today and every day that as we come together as the body of Christ, that we would love each other deeply and well because of Christ's love for us. Because when we do that, the world will know that we follow him.